be seated this morning. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm glad that you're here today. Uh, before we get started this morning, could we show our appreciation for all of the volunteers who helped with our picnic last week, who served faithfully and cooked and prepared all of that. And uh, that's something we need to continue to do. It's such a great time to build a community and fellowship and uh, and, and, and do that. And so thank you guys, everybody who served. And for those of you who came and stayed and uh, broke bread with your brothers and sisters, uh, thank you for doing that as well. Second, if you are a teenager and you're planning on going to Camp U this summer, your application is due today. Uh, that is whether you are, even if you're on the fence about going, your application is due today uh, so that we can get our numbers together and reserve everything. Today, we're gonna talk about patience. <clears throat> are we excited? All right, patience. Nobody's exiting. Praise the Lord. Okay, so we're going to talk about patience. Let me start with a question. Who in here is excited or gets excited about waiting for stuff? Raise your hand. I, you know, I get so excited about waiting, the process of waiting. Anybody in the room? Everybody look across the room, see all the hands raised? Yeah, yeah I don't think many of us, unless you're weird, like to wait on on much. We don't really enjoy the process of waiting. In fact, we don't like it so much, or we don't even think about it so much that we go through our day and we'll plan our schedules, and we don't allot very much time for, for waiting. How many of you have ever planned a trip somewhere, maybe it's up to Nashville or something, and you allot yourself the exact amount of time that the GPS tells you that's going to take to get to point A to point B, and you didn't factor in any time for any type of traffic, any type of red lights, anything? Anybody but me? And you end up late to where you're supposed to go because we only allow just enough time to do the things that we want to do. We're going to talk about patience. Patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. <laughs> yeah, that's what I say. Yikes. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. We read in Galatians chapter 5, it says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Patience is something that God wants you to have. There are, in fact, I believe there are only two of those, those fruit listed there that have time that are in, just integrated into the, the display of the fruit. One is faithfulness. You gotta have time in order to display faithfulness. And you also have to deal with time when it comes to patience. Time, time. There's an article, or a, rather a study that I read that showed up in several articles that I was reading, uh, the, same, the same study. And it talked about people who were going on the internet and clicking on a video to watch a video. Has anybody watched a video online before? Okay, so you go on the video and you click on the video. And it, the study was saying that the people who clicked on the video and uh, waited for it to, you know what buffering is? <clears throat> the people who clicked in it buffered for two seconds. Half of those people went on and clicked to something else. The study said after five seconds, Half of those people left and clicked on something else. And the study said after 10 seconds, after only 10 seconds, only 20% of people were still waiting for the video to load. Anybody in that camp? 
10 seconds or less, I'm gone, right? I'm, I'm moving on to a different video. Must not be worth my time. If we can't wait 10 seconds, we can't wait 10 seconds, not on something that somebody's even forcing you to do. It's something that you decided to do on your own something that you desire to see. We can't wait 10 seconds. A pastor said it like this. People are turning away from God in groves because they prayed for 10 seconds and, and, and God didn't move. People waited on God for 10 minutes and they're upset with God because he didn't do anything. People tithe for 10 days. God didn't open the windows of heaven. I'm done with that principle. We don't allot time for God to do much in our lives. We love the fruits of the, we love love and joy and peace and kindness. But man, when it comes to my life, when I don't have patience in line, all that other fruit is rotten. All that other fruit is, is rotten. I read, I read a pastor who said, we live in a culture where convenience is king. We live in a culture where convenience is, is, is king. Who, who believes that's true? <clears throat> Anybody have high-speed internet at home? Yes. Who's got high-speed internet? Let me see. Who's got the fastest internet in the room? Okay. We like bolt, 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 light boltling speed, speed of, uh, uh, of, of internet here, right? Who remembers dial-up? <clears throat> now, there's a group over here that doesn't even know what that means, okay? But, but dial-up, okay? Dial-up meant that you used to go to the computer, turn it on, and get your internet loading while you went and got a cup of coffee and came back to the computer and sat down, okay? In case you've forgotten what dial-up was like, let me remind you. And you might have a signal. <laughs> Let me read this list to you. Here's, here's the culture that we live, on, live in. We don't have any time to wait. We want cars that park themselves, cars that start themselves, cars that drive themselves. We want online grocery shopping. We want TV on demand. We want movies on demand. We want music on demand. We don't have a house phone because we have a cell phone. You lose your wallet, it's okay. You lose your cell phone, it's the end of the world. <laughs> Microwave meals, fast food. That's not fast enough? Go through the drive-thru. Don't like the drive-thru? Go to the double drive-thru. Still not fast enough? Get Uber Eats. They'll bring the food to you. What about Amazon? You want anything that you want in two days? Get Amazon Prime. Not fast enough? Let's do Amazon now, two hours, same day delivery. <laughs> automatic ice maker, automatic paper towel dispenser, automatic toilet flusher, automatic door opener, instant download, instant quote, instant approval, instant coffee, Instagram. <laughs> All designed to make your life faster and better and more complete. 
Interestingly enough, all of these things that we've been given to go faster and faster and faster are supposed to create a vacuum of time in our lives that maybe we might encounter someone and actually have a conversation with them. But do we do that? No, we fill that big hole with more stuff, more to do, 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 and we accelerate so, so, so fast. The speed of life is at war with patience. And we want it now or we don't want it at all. And it starts at this age. (laughs) We have babies and toddlers and little people who are at every beckoning command of their parents. I want this. I want this. If I don't get it, I'm going to scream. I'm going to shout. I want it right now. And parents are like, what do you want? What do you want? You want this one? You want this one? You want this one? You want more? You don't want it. Okay, do you want it? We're going back and forth. And we are breeding this culture of instant gratification, whatever you want, just if you don't get it, scream and shout, and you'll get it when you, you'll get it in the next second. I was washing dishes. And I was putting it in the dishwasher, rinsing dishes, put in dishwasher, rinsing, yeah. Dishwasher, automatic dishwasher. Yeah, it's quicker. This is Nora. She was sitting over in her, uh, her high chair and she wanted her sippy cup. And she's screaming and she has this, this hand signal when she wants something, it goes like this, right? And I know I see her over there crying and I'm in the middle of loading the dishwasher and she wants her sippy cup. And I'm intending on finishing the dishes before I get over and tend to Nora. So I'm putting the dishes in I put, and she's screaming. And then she lets out this ear piercing scream to which I said, okay. And I set the dishes down and I go over and I put the sippy cup on the tray and she takes it and throws it off. I want it now or I don't want it at all. Don't act like you've never been in the high chair. (laughs) Patience is a surrender to your timing and your control. Patience is a surrender to your timing and your control. How many like to be in control of stuff? All right. Who struggles with lying? No. Okay, so... Listen, patience is a, is a surrender of timing and control. Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. We are, um, well, just let me ask you this question. If, if, if patience is a surrender to timing and control, let me ask you this question. Is your commitment to convenience killing your Christianity? Is your commitment to convenience killing your Christianity? That is such a strong question And in this instant, give me what I want culture, it leaves little room for dealing with the hard questions that life throws at us, let alone the Lord puts in front of our face. The reality is, the reality is, is that instant gratification is sometimes causing us to compromise our walk with the Lord. Our need in living in this culture of instant gratification is causing us to compromise our walk with the Lord. This is what Romans 12, 2 says. It says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I think that the pattern of this world is pretty obvious. Do you? And right before this this, uh, chapter in Romans, it lists a lot of things that we ought not be involved with. 
all products of instant, instant, now, now, now. But do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Are you being conformed to the pattern of this world? Or are you proactively conforming to the image of Jesus? This is what the world says. Think it, click it, have it. The kingdom says, wait for it, receive it, and then lay it down. This is how we fight our battles. We're going to talk today about four different areas in this scripture that we have from the book of James. It gives us some instruction on this area of patience. So if you'll, if you'll stand with me, we'll read our scripture together. <clears throat> Be patient then, dear brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Let's read that last line again. The Lord is full of compassion and Father, I thank you for your word and the, the way that it's alive and active today. I ask, Lord, that every word from my mouth that's from me would be forgotten. But let the words that you have for us change us for eternity today in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. First area that I want us to talk about is the patience that we have within our circumstances. Anybody lose your patience over circumstances in your life? Maybe it's a job or a resource or school or deadlines or meetings or calendars or transportation or Fortnite if you're dismal and deuce brag, uh, money, any of those things. You lose your patience over the circumstances that you encounter in, in your life. What about when things aren't going your way? What about when things aren't going the way you thought they should go? People have literally walked out because instead of waiting, they were upset and angry because the thing didn't turn out the way that they wanted it to turn out. Circumstances in our life, these are battles that we fight in our lives. James lays out an example for us in the scripture, and it says, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm. You know, when this was written, they did not have irrigation and plumbing like we do now, okay? So to be a farmer and to yield a good crop, you had to be one of the best meteorologists in, on the land, right? You needed to know when the rain was coming and when it wasn't going to come. If you planted your seed too soon, you yielded a bad crop. Plant your seed too late, you yield a bad crop. 
The farmer had to rely on circumstances that were outside of his control in order to produce what the seed was supposed to bring. A rendering of timing and control in the midst of a circumstance. They had to wait. They had to pay attention. Bad circumstances in our life will not be fully alleviated or dealt with without a move from God. He wants to be involved in our circumstances. The other day, or a couple weeks ago, I was in New York and the Lord put Justin Bashir's on my, on my heart. And this is a text message between the two of us. And, um, and I just asked him because the Lord, I was on a subway and the Lord said, text Justin. And I, and I asked him, I said, Justin, how's it going? Can I pray for you? And he says this, well, to be honest, we're way behind on our projects. And partly because we are struggling in our finances, we were behind on a few things. And once you get in that cycle, it's hard to catch up. Just trying to work through it, you know. You know, the best thing about this conversation is the, second, is, the, is the second line there. Well, to be honest. This culture has robbed us of the ability to be honest and authentic with one another. You don't believe me? Go out in the hallway and say hi to someone and let them say, oh, well, there are some things. How are you doing? Oh, well, there are some things I need. Oh, you actually want to talk to me? You didn't just want to say a flyby hello? You actually wanted to share with me what was going on in your life? And so, you know, I pray for him. And just moments later, he texts me. He said, I don't know what you just prayed. But Jessica went out to the mailbox, got a $2,000 check for a project that we were working on. Right? Brightens up my day a bit. Encourages your faith, did it not? Encourages your faith that someone else was in tune with the Holy Spirit to say, hey, can I pray for you? Because God wants to do something on your behalf. Well, yeah, let me be honest with you. You know, Justin could say, hey, bro, I'm doing great. Sunny day, <laughs> wonderful. But Justin was transparent. But let me tell you what Justin was. It wasn't just transparency. See, here's the thing. Our culture is transparent. You don't believe me? Go look at Facebook. We, did, we air our dirty laundry all over the place. We're transparent. You can see, right? You can see what's going on. Let me tell you what we're not. We're not vulnerable. Vulnerable is the abil- vulnerability is the ability to, to accept wounds, to accept hard information, to accept the fact that I need to change something. I think what if we were less transparent and more vulnerable? What would God be able to do in our lives? Circumstances. Circumstances. I so believe and thankful and watch and so encouraged in my faith by what Justin and Jessica are doing in their life. God is just so, he's just walking in such obedience. And I know that that is a hard walk sometimes for you guys. But you're trusting the Lord and you have so encouraged me in moments when I'm weak, I look and I say, Lord, but I see what you're doing in them. Thank you for being obedient to the Lord. What about patience with people? Oh, let me deal with circumstances all day long, but give me some people. Give me some people to deal with. What about when the the battle involves people? James says this, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. 
Many years ago, I was driving here to the church. I lived right down the road and I was turning off of Mason Tucker onto Rock Springs Road. And I turned onto the road and behind me, there's this car that just rode up right on my bumper. I was like, what's going on here? So I'm driving or whatnot. And all of a sudden I look in my rear view mirror and the car's just going like this, swerving behind me. And an arm is out the door going like this. And I said, well, maybe he's praying for me in tongues. I don't know. No, I, I, no. But I mean, he, no, he's, he's literally, he's, he's, he's saying some things that, uh, that I'm glad I couldn't read his lips. I mean, he was angry, okay? And so we're getting up here. And as we got to this intersection up here, I thought, man, I hope he turns. But he didn't. He was behind me. And I, and I pulled in. And when we got on this road, all of a sudden, the swerving back and forth stopped. And it got right in line. And I turned on my blinker. And guess what? He turned on his. I was like, oh, great. This is going to be great. So I pull into the, drive, uh, to the, to the church parking lot and I park over there by the playground and he turns and he parks all the way on the other side of the store. And I go, well, that's odd. So I get out of my car and I kind of think, should I rush in the building? What should I do here? And I look over there and it's a brother from our church. And he looks at me and he walks toward me with his head down. I am so embarrassed. I'm so sorry. Had I known it was you. (laughs) I don't know that the problem is that it was me. The problem is, is would the response been the same had it not been me? Right? Dealing with people is hard. Because people are people. People are people. How many have ever waited in a long line at a grocery store? And you're just like, please open another line. You're so tempted to go through the 10 items or less line three times because they're just so long on the other ones. Or maybe you're at a fast food restaurant and there are 10 teenagers on their cell phone. And you're like, just take my order, please. Anybody? Yeah, those are little momentary little battles that we have, but I think the battles that we need to deal with are the people in our life who have hurt us time and time and time again. The people who have wounded us over a long period of time, that employer that doesn't treat us justly, that person that speaks unkindly about us, the people that are, we have to confront, we have to be a part, they have to be in our lives for whatever reason that we have to confront them, uh, we have to be in, be in proximity to them no matter what, because of circumstances, we have to be around them and they have so wounded us. See, wounded people want to wound other people. Hurt people want to hurt other people. And so we go and then we see people being elevated and promoted and stuff and we're like, Lord, what's going on? I deserve that. And we get broken inside and we don't have patience. And what happens whenever we take things into our, our own hands is we try to manipulate the situation to, to, to vindicate ourselves or to, to have the other person feel what we feel because we feel like God needs a little nudge to deal with it. But James is saying, guess what? God's the judge. Do you know God sees every time You are wounded. He sees every tear that falls. He sees every heartbreak in the room. He knows what's going on. And when you feel that things in your life are unjust, he's gonna make it right in his timing. And that time of wait is a time for you to be doing things in the spiritual so he can be doing things in the natural. And so in that time of wait, you're supposed to be praying for that person. That's so hard. (laughs) Lord, please bless that person who hurt me and kicked me the other day. Just pour out to them, open the doors of heaven, right? 
It's hard to pray for somebody like that. I bet you if you do it, God will open up a blessing tenfold on your life. Dealing with people. God will take care of it because we are called to love. This is what John, 1 John 4 says. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Now, if God is love and we are commanded to love, it begs the question, what is love? Guys, I got an answer for you. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, there is a beautiful description. And you want to know the first descriptive word assigned to love? Here it is. Love is patient. So next time you look at your spouse and say, I love you. Remember what you're saying. I'm going to be patient with you. Love is patient. This is what we're commanded to do. God is patient. If God is patient with you, ought you not be patient with others? What about this? Man, we're just stepping up the ladder, aren't we? Circumstances, people, patience with God. What about patience with God? God, I'm going to church. I'm reading my Bible or I'm reading scripture when Ronnie makes me on a Sunday morning. I'm praying. I'm wearing the t-shirt. What else do you want from me? You've given me a promise. God, I've turned my, I've walked out on those friends that you told me to walk out on. I've laid that down. I'm, I'm paying my tithe even. God, what's wrong with you? Can we get a move on? Just because God's not moving in 10 minutes doesn't mean he's not moving in your life or desires to move in your life. God does not succumb to the culture of this world. The culture will bow down to him. And so we need patience with God. So James says some more here. He says, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. I think the probably hardest area is sometimes to have patience with God. I was reading the Old Testament uh, about a month ago in the book of Kings, and I've been going through the Old Testament. I've been listing Kings. And you know in the Old Testament, I don't know if you've read the Old Testament or not, there's a lot of this same phrase that says, basically, turn your life around or I'm going to kill you. Okay, just of it, okay? And then there was a king, and he was evil in the sight of the Lord, and there was another king who was evil in the sight of the Lord, and there was another king who was evil in the sight. This one, he had it right, but then he had a son, evil on the side of the Lord, evil on the side of the Lord, evil on the side of the Lord, evil on the side of the Lord. And these kings, and I just got this list, and honestly, I'm growing impatient with writing these kings' names and how evil they are. And I'm like, man, goodness, why well, I end up reading about this king named Ahab. And uh, Ahab was husband to Jezebel, and this was after Elijah had called down fire uh, from heaven. You remember that story? Okay. And um, and Ahab is here, and Ahab and Jezebel has like slaughtered people. I mean, she's just a slaughter, just kills. Just look at you, I don't like to kill you. I mean, just, just killed everybody. And Ahab is, is this evil king, so evil. And he goes to this, he sees this vineyard from a man named Naboth. Now, Naboth was righteous in God's eyes, and he goes in this vineyard, he's like, I like this vineyard. He said, Naboth, look, I'm gonna give you double the amount that you would sell this for to give me this vineyard, or I'll give you a better vineyard. And Naboth says, far be it from me to give you this vineyard that was handed down from my ancestors. 
You know what the Bible says? It says, Ahab went to his palace and pouted. Anybody pouted? Anybody been upset? He goes in his room. He won't eat his dinner. He's just sitting there. Want that vineyard. Ugh. Jezebel comes up to him and says, what's wrong, Ahab? What's wrong? And Ahab says, I want that vineyard. Nahab won't give it to me. She says, aren't you the king? Aren't you the king? You can have whatever you want. Look, look eat your dinner. I'm going to take care of it for you. Yeah. And so she goes out there and she arranges this day of fasting and she has Naboth raised up and elevated into a position where a lot of focus was on him. And she placed and planted two people around him that accused him of saying things that he didn't say. Have you ever been put up on a pedestal and accused of things that you didn't say? So because of that, they took Naboth out and they stoned him. Jezebel comes back into the house, palace and says, hey, Ahab, then your jeers. Naboth is dead. So he goes and frolics in his vineyard. I used the word frolic. I didn't see that here, but frolics in his vineyard. And, uh, and um, then the Lord speaks to Elijah and says, Elijah, go to Ahab and tell him, I saw what you did to Naboth. And because of what you did, I'm going to bring such destruction on you and your family even the place where the dogs are licking up the blood of Naboth, that's where your blood's gonna be licked up as well. And I was like, yeah, get him, God. Get him, kill him, kill him. I'm just so happy right now. I'm like, yeah. I'm telling you, you read this thing, it gets interesting, okay? This is, okay, so this is what it says. And I'm just, I'm just going with it. There was never anyone like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, urged by Jezebel, his wife. He behaved in the vilest of manner by going after idols like the Amorites the Lord drove out of before Israel. When Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and fasted. He lay in sackcloth and went around meekly. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Have you noticed how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself, I will not bring this disaster in this day, but I will bring it on his house in the day of his son. I was so mad at God. I was so frustrated at that moment because I was like, why are you not killing him? He just took out an innocent man. What are you thinking, God? And I just got so frustrated in my mind and my spirit. And I just, I was just upset. I threw my Bible down first service. Somebody told me not to do that. So I'm not doing it, but I was upset. Okay. And then God spoke to me. How patient have I been with you, Kevin? How many times did you deserve to die? But I said, uh, he turned. Uh, let's give him another chance. Let's give him another chance. Do you know the love of God is so great that he wants to give everyone so many chances? Do you know that his love is so big that the mistake that you've made, the mistake, the mistake, the mistake, the mistake, the mistake, the mistake, he can, he can cover that with his blood. He is so big. Do you know that the reason that he is patiently waiting to split the sky is because there's still people that you're praying for to get to know him? How many times have I selfishly said, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, right now, I'm sick of this situation, I'm sick of this world, I'm sick of it, and God says, just hold on. And though I really mean it, such a selfish prayer because God is waiting for a reason. And that reason might walk into this building next week or a month from now. 
God understands patience. So James gives us some example, or he says to look back at the prophets. So looking at a few characters in the Bible, Abraham. Abraham was given a promise at the age of 75. You're going to have a son. Anybody 75? Don't answer that. You're going to have a kid. Let me pull back up Nora's picture and show you what that's like, okay? He didn't have a kid at 75. He had the kid at 99. 24 years of waiting. Moses. Moses left Egypt at the age of 40. Guess how many years until God appears to him in the burning bush for him to get his ministry started? 40 more years. David promised that he would be a king, anointed king, a teenager, 22 years before he takes the throne. I'm talking about years, people. You hear me? I'm saying years. I'm saying for Moses, it was double my lifetime before it was like, go do what I've asked you to do. I'm serious. Every person God chooses to use has to wait on God. And we are so conditioned to do. We want to do something, want to do something, want to do something, right? And so we do in the way, I I joined a gym uh, a year and a half ago. And while I was in the gym, I'm going to tell the story quickly because I'm running out of time. Um, I had to sign some paperwork to go in there and I scheduled it for two, okay? Was going to be at an appointment at four back in Smyrna. I was in Franklin. And so I went there and anybody ever signed paperwork without reading the fine print, reading the things? Okay, I did that that day. Okay, signed it, turned it in. Supposed to meet this guy at two. I meet him at two and he goes up and he says, okay, good, you got your paperwork. Go over there and go ahead and stretch and I'll be back with you in just a few minutes. Okay, and I was like, okay, 2.20. Okay, now I'm trying to get out of there to get back to Smyrna. It's 2.20, 20 minutes later. I'm like, why, why is this guy not come up here? So he comes up there and he grabs me and he says, okay, you ready? I'm like, yeah, of course I'm ready. Where have you been? So then he has me do something called lunges. Anybody have to do lunges before? <laughs> Worst exercise made up, on, horrible, horrible, with weights. Okay, so I have to do these lunges, like eight, eight, eight reps all the way down, all the way back or whatever. And because I'm so full of pride in myself and I don't want him to think that I'm weak, he says, how are you doing after that eight rep? I said, oh, great. He said, okay, give me 10 more. And so I do 10 more. I'm so upset with myself. And then three o'clock comes around. I thought we were gonna go to like 320 or whatever. He says, okay, our session's done. I'll give you the results later. I'm like, I wasn't arguing because I had to get out of there. So I'm going down the steps or whatever. And I could not lift my legs to go down the steps. <laughs> I was in excruciating pain. And as I'm going down the steps, I'm reading the clipboard of the thing that I signed. And it said, your appointment will begin at 2 p.m. And for the first 20 minutes, you will do the following stretches. If you do not do what you're supposed to do in the period of waiting, then you will have pain in the period of blessing. Somebody took this video of me at work. Oh, oh, ow. Hello, have a good day. Oh, oh, shut up. I didn't know she was videoing me, but that was the day after that, that day. See, I had to go through the pain because I didn't do what I was supposed to be doing when I was waiting. Being patient and waiting, there's things for you to do. You're supposed to be preparing during that time for what's to come next. Let's look at this last one quickly, patience with suffering. 
When I think of suffering, I think of people who have had to suffer through diseases with with no cure. I think of parents who have had to bury children. I think of Ray Butler, whose wife has had to sit through lots of procedures and lots of things and not have answers. I think of Kurt and Tina Bryson who walked through a miscarriage. I think of Margaret and all that she's had to, to endure and walk through. I think of all of these people, these these suffering, and God tells us, guess what? There are going to be times when you have to suffer, and there's going to be times that you go through pain because of the world that we live in. And, And James says this, as you know, we count blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And so he says this as an encouragement about the the life of Job, who had kids and wealth and everything going for him so well. And everything was taken and stripped away from him. But he remained faithful to God. And in the end of his life, everything was multiplied back to him. Our thought is, I know that God would never want me to walk through pain. Our thought is, I know that God would never, it must not be God if I'm having to hurt through this process. But guess what? God's agenda for your life is not to get you out of pain, people. It's to make you like his son, Jesus. It's to make you like his son, Jesus. And if you're suffering this morning, I'd like to read you. I want to encourage you this morning because guys, there are people in our body who are suffering and you're having to be patient. And there might be somebody in here that says, I'm on my last rope. I can't do this anymore. Let me encourage you this morning. Psalm 130 verse five says this, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I place my hope. You know what that means? That means what you're waiting for is worth it. What you're waiting for is worth it. Isaiah 64, 4 says this, since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who waits for him. God will move in your behalf if you wait for him. In Isaiah 40, 31, you guys can start. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Guys, there's strength to be had when we wait on the Lord. Who needs some strength this morning? Anybody need some strength in an area of your life? You can count on the Lord to deliver if you'll just wait on Him. God's ultimate desire is to make us like Jesus. Look, there are a lot of battle strategies that we can use in our life. A lot of ways that we can face our circumstances. We can face people. We can, we can deal with what God's doing us in, in the way that we can face suffering. There's a lot of battle strategies, but patience, patience, though it doesn't seem to satisfy the culture's need to have an answer right now, a vindication right now. What it does, it's a weapon that allows God to have complete control and dictate the outcome of every situation. And when he's in control, then we can guarantee we're going to come out on the other side. Okay. With those who are going to minister, the elements come forward this morning. And perhaps the greatest example of patience would be a man who came born of a Virgin Mary who waited 30 years to have his first platform of real ministry happen so that he could wait another three years to die for people who are going to mock him, who are going to kill him, who are going to 
not follow Him, not listen to Him, to wait a few more hours to give up His life, to wait probably the longest three days in the period of history to come back alive again. And you know what He's doing right now? He's still waiting. He's waiting for His Father to say, go. And there's coming a day when He's going to open this sky and Jesus, boy, let me tell you, you want to see a valiant warrior? You wait till Jesus splits the sky. He's coming after those. Every tear is going to be wiped away. Every wounded heart. You suffering today? Suffering's gone. When we wait on the Lord, when we wait on the Lord, we have the peace that we've been longing for. Would you stand?